Living the life you were born to live. There are so many passages in the Bible that lend itself to living the Christian life. And this is one of those great ones. Colossians chapter 3. I pray that it has something for you whether you are 8 or 80. And anywhere there between or above or below that. I mean, as long as you have breath in your lungs... This can apply to your life. And so in Colossians chapter 3, we pick up Paul's letter to the church of Colossae. He is encouraging them to not only claim their faith, but more importantly, to live it out. You see, just like today, back in those times when this was written, there were many who knew doctrine. They knew scriptures and they could quote scriptures and they could sit down and and pontificate and discuss eloquently all of the greater things of biblical doctrine. But when it came time to actually applying it to their lives, it fell short. And also, it didn't matter in those days what faith you thought was the most relevant It was just like today. If you think that your faith is the right one, then it can be the right one. If we can all get to heaven and there are are different roads to heaven. Well, I don't know about you, but if you believe the Bible is the inerrant and infallible word of God, you know that there is only one way to heaven. The Bible calls it a narrow way. And it is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. But it didn't matter to them in those days. And even today, it doesn't matter when we say that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. The people say, huh, that's what you think. Who are you to say that your God is the only way? Well, the scripture says that he is the only way. But there were so many people that could sit down and talk about the Lord, but very few were living it out. And if there was ever a cry today from uh, all of our, our younger folks from the ages 20 and down, what they would say is that we don't want to hear another sermon preacher. We don't even need to hear another verse read. What we need to know that Jesus Christ is real and to know that God is real is to see His people acting it out in the way that they live. That's what Paul is saying here because, you see... Just as in that time people were following their own desires and they were basically continuing to sin but trying to find a religion that would make them comfortable in their sin. It says in Titus verse 16 of chapter 1, he says, They profess to know God, but they deny Him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, and disqualified for any good work. That is why even today in America there will be millions upon millions of people that will be sitting in sanctuaries of all different sizes. They will come, they will hear the preacher, they will pray, and they will do their Sunday ritual, and then Monday it will make no difference in the world. Because they believe it with their head. They might even believe it in their heart, but it doesn't make its way out to their actions. And so like today, the responsibility that you and I have as believers, is to live a life of purity and morality. We need to live a life of purity and morality, but unfortunately today, that is sacrificed at the altar. 
What altar? The altar of worship preferences. The altar of attendance records. The altar of public perception. And keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. In other words, what does your church have compared to the other church? But for those who are Christians here today, I have news for you. When you became a Christian, you were reborn. Now it is time to live that way. And it's my prayer at the end of this message for myself and you is that once we see the truth of God's word, we can never turn away and live the way we used to. Because God's word is infallible. God's word is irreplaceable. God's word has no errors in it. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, talking about this new birth, he says, Therefore, if anyone, anyone, doesn't matter what age, what color, where you're from, who your family was, but if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and look, new things have come says in John 3, verses 5 and 7, it says, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you, you must be born again. If you remember, that's where Nicodemus was coming to him saying, what does it mean to be born again? And then Jesus launches into, just a few verses later, the most famous verse in all of the Bible. John 3.16, that for whosoever loves him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We see in Colossians chapter 3, starting with verse 1, Again, this is no respecter of what age you are. You see, I know of people that have got their senior coffee card when they go to the, the, the fast food places and they can get their free coffee or they can get their discount on travel arrangements. You know, they, they got the AARP and everything like that. There are some of those that might be 65, 75, 85, but when it comes to their spiritual birthday, they're just babies. Because there are people in this generation that are coming to know Christ at a very late time in their lives. And praise God for that because statistically that is very low. And it would pain me to know that there is someone sitting in a church just like ours today. That they have been in their pew ever since they've been a little bitty baby and their family's been in it. But yet they never knew Jesus Christ. They were never born again. That is not what we want. We don't want people to fill pews. We want people to experience life. And we see that you were born for a reason. What reason were you born for? I'll tell you this. Because if if we're going to live the life we were born to live, the obvious question is, what life is that, right? That's the obvious question. Well, number one, you and I, we were born to have a relationship with God. We were born to have a relationship with God. You see that at the very beginning with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were created not just to tend the Garden of Eden, but to have a relationship, a love relationship with God. A very special relationship. But unfortunately, sin made that impossible. Until Jesus sacrificed himself 
by bridging the gap between our sinfulness and His holiness. Jesus' death brought us to life for here and forever. We have life because of what Jesus Christ did. It says in John 10.10, A thief comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they they may have life, and they may have it in abundance. Living the life you were born to live means, first of all, having a relationship with God, and that can only be done through Jesus Christ. And the second life that we need to live is one that is showing that you and I who are Christians, we are united with Christ. We are inseparable. It's kind of like the Bible talks about when a husband and wife, the two become one. That is not meaning 50 and 50 make 100. That means 100 and 100 make 100. That means that, that when that bond is brought together, nothing can separate that. Yes, a legal proceeding might be able to separate people uh, from their marriages, but in the heart and and in what the Bible says, as far as the man leaving and cleaving, I, I know that there are not there's no one that has a perfect marriage, and I know that there are people that have been divorced. But I want to tell you what is that forever, no matter what legal proceedings, no matter, matter how many pieces of paper you have, that person will always be a part of your life, for better or for worse. And for those of you that have Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you can run to Him or you can run from Him. But if you are a child of God, you are inseparable with Jesus Christ. In some days, that'll be a blessing. And in some days, that'll be just a very big point of grief. But we are inseparable. Andy Stanley put it this way. He said, When God initiated his relationship with mankind, it didn't begin with a command. It began with an invitation. Will you trust me? Let me ask you today. My question to you is, will you trust God enough to live the life he created you for? I hope that you will. Let's look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He's talking about the life of the new man. And he says, so if you have been raised with the Messiah, seek what is above, where the Messiah is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your minds on what is above, not what is on the earth. The first thing that we see is that new life begins and ends with Jesus Christ. It says that Jesus Christ raised you and I to a new life. This new life that we have through Jesus Christ, I want you to understand, there is no infomercial. There is no self-help guru. There is nothing that you can do to have this life that, that Paul is talking about here other than accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Because he says here, so if you have been raised with the Messiah, there is the first condition, that is the first step that you must take, is that that you have a relationship with Christ. And now I know what's happening here is because a big majority of you in here have prayed to receive Christ, and you're saying, okay, preacher, been there, done that, bought the T-shirt. I've been a Christian as long as I can remember, preacher. Move on to the next point. Okay. But let me ask you something. 
has that decision you made at whatever time in your life to accept Jesus Christ, has it enhanced your life and allowed you to live for him? Or was it just a decision that you made? Because there are plenty of people that accept Jesus Christ for mere fire insurance. The preacher will preach and he'll spit and get red faced and he'll, he'll, he'll scare the you-know-what out of you. And then you'll pray to receive Christ because you don't want to go to hell. And that's all people do with it. What's wrong with that decision? It's because when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we get the Holy Spirit. Everything that we will ever need in our lives, every spiritual gift, every blessing, every trial that we go through, we are equipped for. But if we just pray a prayer so we don't go to hell, we are selling ourselves short and we are not living the life we were born to live. The first qualifier for living life is you were born to live is to be a regenerated Christian. Admitting that Christ is your Savior and proclaiming that the old self, the person before you, is dead. And, and we've had the privilege of baptizing people here. And we talk about the fact that when someone goes underwater, that is symbolic of the watery grave. But the problem is, I said, I don't know how long you've been a Christian. I've been a Christian for a good while now. There are times where I turn into a grave robber. You know what I mean? Sometimes I'm a grave robber. I'll go back and I'll go to that old person that I used to be. And I'll pull out some of those mannerisms. Some of those sins. Some of those things that I was so comfortable with before I met Christ. And instead of living in the new things that God has provided for us, I'll go back and rob the grave of who I was and try to be like I was before I met Jesus Christ. He's telling us to not do that. You will never live the the life Christ has given you, the one that you were born to live. You will never live that still robbing your grave of who you used to be. We also see that literally we need to set our minds on heaven. (laughs) There was a, I wish I had the picture of it, but there was a man, his name was Gary Matthews, He's a retired technology worker and a self-confessed nerd. And there's one thing that he thinks. He thinks he is a dog. He thinks he's a dog. He really thinks he's a dog. He will. Uh, he actually eats dog food on occasions to make him feel like he is closer to the canine community. He has actually tried to have his name legally changed to Boomer the Dog. You can go to BoomerTheDog.com and read all about it. He's actually got a suit made out of paper mache or paper products that he puts on. He looks like a big, shaggy sheepdog. And he'll go around and, and kids love it and, and he'll bark. And, I mean, he, he really thinks he is a dog. And this is what he says on his website. Let me read it to you. He says, I believe that everyone should be able to choose the name they would like. We didn't get a chance when we were born. We were given names. Since we can build the identities that we choose to carry on in life with, why can't we choose a name that goes along with it? Recognized by everyone, even on an official ID. Well, folks, it may be cute and it may be harmless for Gary Matthews to think that he is a dog. But, folks, there is a grave danger in thinking that you know your life 
better than God does. Today, the, the, the mantra is, well, if I wasn't born the way I think I should be, God must have made a mistake. Because what we think trumps what God thinks. And we think that we can be the master of our souls. What about a person who feels they are unworthy of God's love? Or the person that feels alone? Or the person that feels that God will overlook their sin because they feel it's okay? What about the person that feels like trash? Or the person that feels like a thief? The person that feels like that they are more important than anybody else? Because understand, this perception that you have of yourself, that is what you become. This man thinks he's a dog. He's acting like a dog. You see what I'm saying? If, if, if we put all of our identity in anything other than Christ, we become that thing. Dear Christian, today let me ask you, where is your identity placed? If it was in a job, one day you'll either lose that job or retire. If it's in a family member, one day they will either leave temporarily or permanently. If it's in your service at the church, one day that will stop. If it's in anything other than being found alive in Jesus Christ, then it leaves us short. That's why he's saying here, he's saying, don't set your mind on things that are around you, but set your minds on things that are above. Because let me ask you something. As, as this man said who was trying to be a dog, he says that, that we just need to, to, to do whatever we think we want it to be. We need to live however we think it should be. There's a problem with that. Again, we go back to the Bible where it says in Judges 17.6 that in those days there was no king in Israel and everyone did what he wanted. It was a deplorable time for Israel during that time. Proverbs 21.2 says, People may be right in their own eyes, but the Lord examines the heart. Again, as born-again Christians, the Holy Spirit cannot live in us if we permit sin. To live the life that God has created you for, we must not think that the Holy Spirit and sin can live within the same space of our heart. They cannot. The second thing we see is that your life is no longer your own. Let's read verses 3 and 4. Verses 3 and 4 say this. For you have died and your life is hidden with the Messiah in God. If you'd like to underline or make notes, I would underline the word hidden. For you have died and your life is hidden with the Messiah God. When the Messiah who is your life is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. I want you to understand this, that Christ not only died for you, he died with you. Christ not only died for you, he died with you. If we are Christians, the Bible says that we are in Christ. His suffering is our suffering. Our suffering is His suffering. Our sin became His sin. 
And His glory will be our glory. He was our substitute in death. But He is our identity in life. Jesus not only took the penalty of sin for you and I, but it also means that He can give us victory over sin as well. And, and I really struggle with this word hidden in Christ because that, that could mean so many meanings. I mean, like uh, a game of hide and seek or a secret meaning. Let me, let me explain to you the best way I know can because I prayed, God, give me an illustration or show me somehow how to illustrate this point of our lives be hidden, being hidden in Christ. And uh, there's a story of the Mooneyhams. It's uh, Michael and Melissa Mooneyham back and I think it's about March or May of this year, 2015, in uh, Nashville, Arkansas. They were living, he was a deli clerk at the Walmart, and she was a stay-at-home mom, and they had a little baby girl that they doted over. And then about that time, in Nashville, Arkansas, a tornado hit their trailer park. They were high school sweethearts, they had been married about 10 years. They had this precious baby. The, the, hurricane, or the, the tornado tore through that trailer park. When all the dust had settled, they found Michael and Melissa Mooneyham holding on to each other for dear life. But they had passed. And nestled right between them, in between them, was their baby girl who survived. If there is ever an illustration, if there is ever a way to to show you what it means to be hidden in Christ, it is that. Is that we were bound for hell and for sin and with death and separation from God. And then we became, when we accept Jesus Christ, we are hidden in Him. He takes the winds. He takes the brunt. He takes the damage. He died for you and for I. That we are hidden in Christ and that was not free and that was not cheap. It cost Him His life. So if we are hidden in Christ, I want you to understand what Paul is saying. To be hidden in Christ, it brings us protection. It brings us love. It brings us sacrificial love to be hidden in Christ. How in the world can we not live for Him and live the life He has called us to live knowing that we are hidden in Him. He protects us. He watches over us. I hope you see the point of our lives being hidden in Christ. Not only did Jesus save us from our sins, He shields us from our sins. Christian, hear me and hear me loud. If you have sin in your life, it's because you've gone, you've chosen you made the choice to set your minds on the things in your grave rather than on the things in heaven. If you have sin in your life that's mastering you, it's because you're choosing to let it. Stop it! Stop! 
You weren't born for that. You've got a you've got a great lineage. And you have got a great destination. Because your life is hidden in Christ. And we see here that in verse 4, eternal life is the life that we were born for. In other words, when I said, live the life you were born to live, that life is eternal life. We can enjoy eternal life here on this earth right now because we see God working in our lives and moving things towards His favor, His glory, until eventually we will spend eternity with Jesus Christ. Eternal life is not some type of reward that God gives you like a game show prize. It's like, oh, I just won Plinko, so now I get eternal life. Woo! It's not like that. It's not like some little benefit, like some little carrot he throws out. When you accept Jesus Christ, you get eternal life. It's a package deal. And you did nothing to deserve it. You did nothing to win it. But when you accept Jesus Christ, it came as part of the deal. And that is the life that you and I are born to live. But let me ask you something. What makes you come alive? You know, you're sitting there on your, on your couch, or you're, you're, you're sitting there and you're at your dinner table, or you're, you're at work, and all of a sudden you think about something, and all of a sudden you get excited. Like, i got to tell you, man, this, this year... It's a great time to be a Carolina football fan. It really is. And a Clemson fan? Woo! It's good. It's a good year to be there. And when you see that touchdown, you're home. I don't know about you, but I'm like, woo! I come alive because it's exciting. It brings joy to my life. But what he's saying here is that for us to live the life that we were born to live is that when we think about Jesus Christ and when we come to church and we're with other believers, that we are alive like no other time in our life because we are with God, we are with His people, and there is nothing to celebrate that. Because, folks, I'm going to tell you, next year, that these football teams might have a different season. Next year, we might not even be playing football. The next year, we just might be... But who knows where we'll be? Those things are fun, but they're circumstantial. Does living for Christ make you feel alive? If it does, you're living the life you were born to live. Paul is saying that if you place your life in purpose and loving Jesus, he will make you feel more alive than anything else. In the world. Some of you know people. And some of you have known for yourself. The trap of drugs. And alcohol. And immorality. And you know that for the moment. They make you feel great. But there is such a high cost. To that. Some of you have seen that. In your children and your grandchildren. And some of you are just praying. That you'll never see it. But why are people turning to those things? It's because they want to forget. They want to feel alive. They want that rush. But every time, that rush always has a cost. There is nothing that can make you feel more alive than having a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then finally, we see that we must choose to live the life 
we were born to live. Verses 5 through 11. There's a big word here. A big word. What's the first word of chapter 5? Therefore. He's just giving you all this good stuff. We are, we are hidden in Christ. We are alive in Christ. We are to set our minds on heaven. He kind of sets us up, doesn't he? I mean, we're like, woo, let's have a pep rally for Jesus. Yes, amen. And that's what's happening around the world today. People are having a pep rally for Jesus. Sing the song. Shout the amens. And have a good old time. But then, uh-oh, here comes verse 5. Here comes the therefore. This is where it costs us something. It says, therefore, put to death what belongs to your worldly nature. In other words, those things that are sinful, put it back in the grave and leave it there. These things that you put to death that belongs in your worldly nature, things like sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath comes on the disobedient. And you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now you must also put away all the following. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed according to the image of your Creator. Folks, if these things still have a place in your life, you are hindering the process to which God is working in you. You cannot hold on to these sins and grow in your relationship with the Lord. Because it says, right here it says, He is making you into the image of your Creator. How do we become more like God? We become less like the world. How do we do that? We love God more than we think, more than we love the world. If you've got a habit you can't get rid of, I hope it's worth it. Because it's keeping you from knowing God the way He intended you to know Him. And that's for the believers I'm talking to. If there are believers in here that have, are struggling with these sins, He's wanting to make you into His image, but you will never get any closer as long as you hold on to those things. That's what he's telling the church of Colossae. And that's what he's telling us today. Because, folks, to turn from sin means to turn to God. If you're going to turn from something, you need to turn toward something else. In conclusion, let me read you verse 12. Verse 12 says, Therefore, there's that word again, Therefore, God's chosen ones holy and loved, put on heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, and patience. And back at verse 11, it says, In Christ there is not Greek, there is no Jew circumcision and uncircumcision, no barbarian or Scythian. He says, no slave or free, but Christ is all in all. Christ is is all in all. To live the life you were born to live, it means setting your mind on Jesus Christ, not only studying about Him and going to church, but it means living it out in your daily decisions. When you do that, you will live the life 
God has called you to live. And again, this was written to a church. This this was written to Christians. But folks, I will tell you, if you're not a Christian and you're trapped up in verse 5, 6, and 7, and 8, if you're you're still trapped by those sins and they won't let you go, the only way to break free is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord and becoming reborn to live the life God has created you for. Because understand, remember, all the way back in Genesis, God created us to have a relationship with Him. The only way to have that is through accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Maybe you're a believer. You just want prayer. Maybe someone wants to join the church or to get baptized. Would you stand for our invitation?